0: Maglis and Meli was there to assist the church, to run the affairs of the church, but the hierarchy and the patriarch usually, all throughout its history, has had a very difficult relationship with the Maglis and Meli, who always felt that they were more educated than the clergy, especially in the beginning, and that they have more experience to run the affairs of the church than the clergy, who unfortunately at that time were uneducated to a great extent. Yeah, and we'll see why. Any other questions? Yes. 1874 till 1951, 75 years, yes. It was only a small number, not much. But what was your question? Okay, because the the missionaries, when they came in, they enticed them with money, right? And they were very poor people, especially in Upper Egypt. They offered them high quality education for their children, opened up very uh, powerful educational institutions, so some of them sent their children there, and through that conversion happened as well. But it was very minimal. Yes? Why were missionaries allowed to come into Egypt while the government was persecuting, for pressuring that's a- it, was to, it was to weaken the Coptic church further. All right, so when you have many denominations coming in like the Protestants and the Catholics, then this would diminish the strength of the Church of Alexandria. That was the goal. That's why they allowed them in. Other questions? Okay, let's go on because we have a lot to get through. After his canonization, actually it was on the 20th of June, or June 20, 2013, when the Coptic Orthodox Synod canonized Habib Gerges as a saint, along with uh, Pope Cyril VI, Saint Pope Cyril VI. They were both canonized as saints uh, on the same day. These are the relics of Habib Gerges, who was buried in the family tomb, and they were able to locate his relics, and you can see when they opened the coffin that they found him dressed in his liturgical vestments, as you can see there. So after, uh, after he was canonized, Copts began to want to know more about this modern saint and why someone who many considered as a layperson, even though he was not a layperson, He was an archdeacon, which is a priestly rank, um, wanted to know more about him. So on January 1st, 2014, so uh, just over 10 years ago now, the relics of Habib Gerges were translated without much fanfare due to the circumstances, political circumstances in Egypt at the time, as many of you will recall. He was returned back to the site of the clerical school in Mahmasha, the theological seminary that Habib Gerges was dean of for many years, was in the suburb of Mahmasha, which is near uh, where the St. Mark's Cathedral is. It's only like down the road from from there, just a few miles away. So his uh, relics were translated and brought back to that site um, of the Virgin Mary Church in Mahmesha. It is of important to note that on January 15, 2014, I was just finalizing my last few chapters of the PhD then, and uh, on my way to come to New York to defend, but I was in Egypt for a while, a few weeks, and uh, thankfully, Bishop Martiros, the general bishop of the region where Mahmasha is, allowed me to take part of the relics um, and to bring them back to Melbourne at the time and this was the complete upper right arm bone, the humerus, a handkerchief that was wrapped around the head, an embroidered cross decorated with silver thread that you can see on his liturgical vestments, also the glove that was on his right hand, and a section of the liturgical vestment. And then, The actual relics were discovered earlier on, on January 18, 1994, by Father Theodosius Issyriani, mentioned in the Caraza magazine. These are some of the relics that uh, I took um, and brought them to Melbourne, there at Archangel Michael Convent there. But let's talk now more about Habib Gerges. He was certainly a prominent educationalist. He was a reformer. He wrote a book in 1942 near the end of his life of how the church could reform itself in a period of 10 years. That book is being translated currently into English and should be uh, published uh, soon. A very important book where he speaks about I think 10 different aspects of church life that needed reform. He was also a writer. He wrote about 30 books. He was the editor-in-chief of Al-Karma, divine religious uh, journal. He was also a poet. So he wrote actually several booklets of hymns where he taught the Sunday school teacher, uh, children many of the m- basic doctrines of the church through the hymns that he wrote, and then he put the hymns to Coptic music that was known. For example, the Tzbehad, the midnight praise, uh, the, the the hymnology of Lent, of the of the Kiyak, and many others, so that we would not lose Coptic identity because Western music had come in through the Protestants and Catholics by that time, but he didn't want to use that music. He wanted to maintain the Coptic music that we use in our liturgical practices. He was also a very eloquent preacher, very powerful preacher with a sonorous voice. His voice was very powerful, and very attractive that when he spoke, when he preached, he grabbed people's attention very, very easily. He also was the trusted advisor to many, several popes, but in particular, he became the disciple of Pope Corollus V, who was the one who ordained him as an archdeacon, and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., he would have a personal meeting with the pope to seek his advice, to seek the advice of Habib Gerges on many church affairs. And also, Pope Carolus would invite him to attend the synod meeting because they, the synod trusted him and sought his advice on many, many issues. So he was the trusted advisor of popes. And as someone mentioned at the beginning, he was the one who founded the Sunday School Movement and also was the dean of the seminary from 1918 until his repose on 21 August 1951. You see this picture here is uh, in the 1940s uh, when he was much Much older. But you can see back in that time, uh, people dressed very elegantly with the tarbosh or the fez, always wearing suits, you know, very elegant clothes. So let's have a look at a a quick biography of Habib Gerges. As we mentioned, he was born in 1876 in Cairo. His dad was born in my hometown. Ah. Okay. Um, and fell asleep on August 21, 1951. His father was from the city of Tema in Upper Egypt, and his mother was from the city of al both in the directorate of Gerga at that time, but now part of the government of Suhaeg. His father's name was Gerges Mankarios, and he worked as a chief clerk in the most important government departments associated with the interior administration during the reign of Khedev Ismail. He passed away in 1882. Habib Gerges was only six years old at the time. So imagine a young child with all these problems going on and British occupation was uh, there as well, and losing his father at this young age would have been very difficult for him. But his mother was a very devout Christian. Her name was Miriam, and she continued the mission of raising him along with his other siblings. He had three siblings: Ghali, who died when he was quite young, camel and one sister called Martha. And. Their mother raised them up uh, in a Christian way and took care of, his, of Habib Gerges' uh, education at the great Coptic school that was opened by Pope Cyril IV, and this was right near the old Patriarchate. She was sick most of her life, bedridden, but this did not stop her from caring for the Christian upbringing and the education of her children. And Habib Gerges excelled in his education at the Great Coptic School, being one of the top students there. And again, you see a picture of him much younger here, and again, you see how elegantly he is dressed. He was among the first to join the theological school or the theological seminary, when it was established in November of 1893. And it was Pope Cyril V who was the one who established the seminary and Habib Gergis would say that this was the greatest achievement in the papacy of Pope the V. And I would have to agree with him because since that time, the seminary has been active since November of 1893 till our current time. So it played a very significant role in the life of the church. The first dean of that seminary, his name was Yusuf Beckman Karyos, but he wrote a couple of historical books, but mainly he would bring a a book or a manuscript from the patriarchal library, and he would get the students to read out to him. So the first few years, of the seminary, there was no teacher of religion or theology, but we'll talk about that a bit more maybe in the second lecture about the seminary and the work of Habib Gerges there. But being at the top of his class, Habib Gerges was chosen to teach at the Theological College while he was still in his final year as a student there because there were few teachers of Uh, theology at the time. This is an icon, one of the first icons that was written of Habib Gerges by Ashraf Fay, iconographer in Melbourne, Australia. His first lecture was in 1897 while he was still a student at the seminary and he gave it at the Great Coptic School over two Sundays and he titled this lecture, Christian Religion, or Adiyana al-Masihiyya. And what he began to do in this lecture was to take his audience back to the early history of the Church of Alexandria, and to tell them, come let's look at what the Coptic Church and the Church of Alexandria looked like in the first five centuries and he began to talk to them about St. Mark and coming to Alexandria and his preaching there and was martyred there. He spoke to them about the era of monasticism and the great monastic fathers of St. Saint Anthony, St. Saint Macarius, St. Saint he Spoke to them of the great doctors and pillars of the church, like Saints Athanasius and Cyril of Alexandria. He spoke to them of the great martyrs and the era of persecution and spoke to them about how the Copts were the leaders in ecumenism and leading ecumenical councils in the early church. That was the first lecture, or the first part of the lecture. In the following week, he said to them, now let's come and have a look at our state now, and the dismal level that we have reached and this period of darkness, and all these difficulties that we have gone through let us now begin to reawaken, to work together, to put our hands together, to return back the glory glory of the early church of Alexandria. In attendance at this lecture was uh, a man called Tadros Bekshinud al-Mankabadi, and he was the editor-in-chief of a very important Coptic newspaper at the time called Misr or Egypt, and he it's a very interesting newspaper. There's um, many, many interesting uh, news items and articles in there on, of many things that was happening in the life of the church during this period. And he was so impressed by this eloquent young preacher that he took the permission of Habib Gergis to get a copy of his lecture and he, he printed thousands of copies and began to distribute it to many in Egypt to read and to say, how are we going to tran- transform the life of the Coptic church back to return it back to its early glories? That was the first lecture he gave. The second lecture he gave was in the church of Haretz-Seyn, which is a suburb in Cairo. And as he was beginning or was about to begin preaching, he finds the Pope enters the church and that was Pope Cyril V. He had heard about this eloquent young preacher and he enters into the church, he stands on his throne, Habib Gerges begins to preach, the Pope begins to bless him with his cross, blessing the congregation, feeling so much joy that a huge educational transformation is about to take place in the life of the Coptic church through this young preacher, Habib Gerges. And you can see here in the icon on the right, I don't know if you can see it, but at the bottom left is Pope Corolla standing on his throne, blessing Habib Gerges as he is preaching, And then on the right is another scene when he's teaching um, in the seminary, and on the board he writes one of his famous sayings, education is the first need for the community after bread. Education is the first need for the community after bread. He graduated in 1898 and was appointed to teach full-time at the seminary on 17 March 1898, that same year. And then later he was appointed as the dean of the school or the seminary on September 14, 1918, and he remained in this position for 33 years and this was after the death of the first dean, Yusuf Mankarios. He then also opened evening classes for university graduates at the seminary in 1945, and his dream was to see the theological school to reach world class standards. And this is a a photo of him, a historic photo um, as a young dean Uh, after he was appointed in 1918. And again, you can see how he took care of his appearance and his clothes, even his shoes. You can see how they are uh, well polished and everything looks so elegant. He was a disciple, as I mentioned, of Pope Carolus V, and this is a historic photo of him as archdeacon with the elderly Pope Corollus V. He was archdeacon, but he was not ordained as a priest, but still a priestly rank, even though many considered him as a lay person. Pope Cyril trusted him and appointed him as his personal deacon and disciple, but he also worked closely with three other popes after Pope Cyril the Fifth, and that was Pope John the Nineteenth, Pope Macarius the Third, and Pope Yuseb II. There there were three patriarchs in our history who were not very successful, unfortunately, and ran into many problems because they were not coming directly from the monastic rank but already were metropolitans of dioceses. And this has always been a rule in our church that the patriarchs are chosen from either monks or from general bishops. But these three had already dioceses, meaning that they were already married to these dioceses, and how could they leave their people? and they could not ordain another metropolitan or bishop instead of them until they fall asleep. So, but he also worked with them, but that's a different story. We won't get into that now. And this is, as I said, one of his famous sayings, education is the first need for the community after bread. A prolific writer and publisher published a religious, moral, and historical journal titled The Vine, El Karma. 17 volumes of this journal were issued over a period of 25 years, and the first one was published on the 11th of September, 1904, on a monthly basis. But you'll tell me why 17 volumes took 25 years. Because there was a subscription, to be able to get a copy of the journal every month. Many people didn't pay the subscription. He was paying from his own salary to cover the costs until he could no longer do so, and so had to end publication in 1931 due to financial constraints. But he was able to publish 17 volumes on a monthly basis, so it's a rich wealth, wealth of material in these journals. I have a copy of all of them. He went on to publish more than 30 religious, theological, educational, and historical books, along with many sermons and educational studies. Another one of the important historical books that he wrote was on the history of the seminary itself from its establishment in November of 1893 until 1938. He wrote a a 45 year history. It's a very important book with lots of historical facts and I'm currently in the process of translating this uh, important book and uh, hopefully can be published once the translation and editing takes place. In 1900, after the Coptic Synod issued a decree in 1898 about the importance of the education of children, and Pope Sill V the following year put out a similar decree in 1899 concerning religious education of children Then Habib Gerges began to think about establishing Sunday schools. And he started in a very basic way. He wrote a very simple catechism, a Q and A. For example, who is Jesus Christ? He is the second person of the Trinity. Who is Saint Mary? She is the Theotokos, the mother of God. Very simple question, answer, to teach the children the basic tenets of Christian Orthodox faith. And he began to gather groups of children in the Virgin Mary Church in the suburb of Fagala, in Cairo, if any of you have been to that uh, church. And he began to gather these children and began to teach them by memory my, memorization, or rote learning. He says the question, the children respond with the answer and like this until they would learn the basic teachings of Orthodox Christian faith in this way. You may say, you know, this is a very simplified, yes it was, but he did not stop there. He actually then began to read more, began to bring educational books of important educational philosophers from Europe and studied their educational theories and began to implement them in much more advanced curricula that he wrote later. For example, he was very well versed in the theories of someone called Friedrich Froebel. Maybe some of you heard that name. He was the one who established kindergartens all around the world, and he was an educational philosopher. He had his books, he imported them from Europe, read them and benefited from them and implemented some of his theories in the later curricula that he wrote. But this was the starting point, a simple catechism, Q&A for children. And he wrote, then he began to develop these. It was a general curriculum to start with for all children, then he began to look, okay, this is no longer going to work, we need to divide this up into grades one, two, three, four, all the way up to high school, and to see what lessons and what are the needs of children at every age group. And he began to even write six volumes for the Sunday school teachers themselves how to teach the lessons, what are the activities that are suitable for children at this age group, what are the theories that would work for this age group, and so on. And he was also chosen to be a member of the General Sunday School Committee, established in 1918, and in 1927 was chosen as the general secretary of the same committee. He also imported religious pictures from Germany and Italy to be given out as gifts to the children. This was a type of popular education because, as I mentioned earlier, illiteracy was very high in Egypt at the time. Not many children knew how to read and write. So how was he going to impart the knowledge of faith, Christian faith, to these children that could not read and write? He used several things. The hymns that I mentioned, and he taught them the the faith through the hymns that he wrote. He was a poet, and so he could teach them many uh, things about the saints, about the history of the church, um, about the sacraments, and so on through the hymns that he wrote. The second method was the pictures. Why? He imported the religious pictures, beautiful color pictures, I have some of the originals, for the stories of the Old and New Testament. And then he would write a verse, uh, what is the lesson about at the bottom of the picture in Coptic and Arabic, on the back a summary of the lesson. But the teachers would use these pictures to describe the lesson the children would take home a book where they could put every week when they come to Sunday school, the picture in the book. So they could continue going back and referring to the picture, and as we say, a picture tells a thousand words, they could remember what the lesson that was given to them that week. And it was given quarterly, so they would get every three months one of these books, I have one of them, where the children can put the pictures, the religious pictures, in the book and refer back to them so they would recall all throughout the year the different lessons of the Bible that they learned. He also had several conferences for the teachers themselves to discuss some of the needs of the Sunday school, and he even wrote a constitution for how Sunday schools should be run, a whole constitution. Very fascinating when you read this document. I have it. And he also gave great great importance, not just to religious education and the lessons, but also the importance of cultural activities, of sports, leisure activities, social trips, and clubs for the young. So he was a very broad-minded man. He didn't stick to something small and and that was it, but he was always thinking outside of the box, always thinking how he can improve what he was doing, what is the best that he could offer to the whole Coptic community, because it wasn't just the education of the young, but also of youth. He was the one who established youth ministry in the Coptic church was called the Coptic Youth League, Gamat Shabab al Epti. He also formed curricula for blue-collar workers, those tradespeople, he didn't ignore them. He even published on a weekly basis a four-page Bible study that every family, when it comes to church on Sunday, would take the Bible study, go home with the family, study it together, answer the questions, Prizes would be given, and then they would come and take a new lesson the following week. He even did more than this. In the villages where the situation was even more dismal, families sometimes were living together with non-Christians, families that did not know that they were Christian, were not baptizing their children, were not going to church because there was no churches in the villages. The priests in the cities were not coming to look after the people in the villages. And the village people could not afford to get transportation to go into the city or there was apathy. And he encouraged them. There's a whole booklet he wrote called the Ftikad al-Karya, or the Visitation to the Villages, where he speaks about how this ministry should be done. We'll talk about it. Uh, in a moment. We spoke about this already. The, this is one of his books, uh, booklets on uh, hymns, Anasheed Orthodoxyya wa Taranim So you see the title is Orthodox uh, hymns and doctrinal hymns. So it is teaching the doctrines of the church through the hymns that he was writing. I actually have a choir in Los Angeles at the moment where I've given them all of these hymns and they're trying to use the same music that he used at that time to revitalize all of the hymns of Habib Gerges and to produce them again. Uh, And they started to to work on this already. Any questions? I talk too long. If you don't stop me, I'll continue. (laughs) Mm-hmm. When did you carry this wrote the 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 four, the four page of uh, the Bible study and he gave it to the end if this is just like one church or multiple churches? No, no, everywhere it was distributed everywhere. So yeah. He, I have some of them. He had he had people working with him, he had the students at the seminary and he would send them out to preach in uh, over a hundred of them in Cairo and in many of the governorates, and obviously they would take this material with them every, every Sunday. But there was resistance to this work. Some of the churches at the beginning, they would not allow him to preach in their churches. Why? Because they feared him. Some of the priests feared him because they were not educated. Who is this young, educated man who's going to come and take over our positions? until they began to trust him and understand what he was doing. But it was, it was tough for him. There was a lot of resistance against him. Other questions? Shall I go on a bit more or we can have a break? Just uh, a request, you that you have a lot of this material. So is there like a website or a resource? Not yet. Um, I also have a lot of artifacts as well, uh, personal items of Habib Gerges. So I'm trying to establish a small museum, and once we have a proper building for the seminary, uh, we can move all of that material there. But uh, I think I need to start thinking about uh, a website where some of this material can be be shown or uh, can be a resource for uh, Sunday school teachers. But I have some very valuable personal items of Habib Gergis, like his personal Arabic Bible. And when you see the Bible, you can see that this was a Bible that was being used constantly on a daily basis because it's not in a good shape. And also you can see some red marks that he puts on near some of the verses as well. So we able to display a lot of, uh, of this material that will be obviously open to the public for people to see. Any other questions? Should we have a break? And uh, I guess we'll come back, but still I haven't even gone through his the, the rest of that biography and um, then uh, we'll continue with this uh, uh, material when you come back. So,